My name is Miriam. I'm Angela. And this is Tea Time Time with with Partners in Crime. Hello, guys. Hello. Once again, we're here. And we've got some stories for you. This week, it's true crime. And apparently, Angela has something really messed up. I also have something pretty messed up. We're getting into it this week. Yeah, we really, really are. And, um, oh, we've got a fan who we, even though we haven't really... We haven't even posted anything yet. Yeah, we haven't, which was really, really great, you know, for us. We really do appreciate that from her. Um, so yeah, we're gonna get right into the Special shout out, obviously. Oh, obviously. (laughs) Um, now... Okay, Angela, what's the tea in your life? Oh, by the way, guys, we already technically drank tea it wasn't tea it was hot chocolate because it's florida and there was it's actually a nice temperature out right now it's not burn your skin off temperature so (laughs) we are appreciating this and we had some hot chocolate but we had it in a teapot with tea cups and it's a really cute teapot (laughs) it is yes all right so what is the tea in your life today I got tea that I'm going to the Keys this weekend. See, that is really nice. That is a good tea. <laughs> and you said you're going with um, your going teacher. With my, yes, we're going with our biology two class. Yeah, I don't think anybody has that great college experience where your teacher can take you. Man, she's awesome. Like, she's taking us to the Keys. She took us on, like, a lab field trip out to the cypress boardwalk yeah that doesn't happen she's great usually but yeah she sounds like great i will definitely take bio with her oh yeah um with what about me- you what 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 news do you have well like you know just went to mexico so went to playa del carmen so jealous and like you saw i had monkeys on me funny story about that um, we got there, and I've had monkeys before. Like, I used to have a spider monkey back in Honduras when I was, like, really little. And there was, like, a group of them. And, you know, there's always one that's, so like, the macho and everything. Oh, yeah, and he's, course. like, the one, like, the leader. Well, I'm pretty sure I found the leader because he was aggressive, and he didn't want anybody near him. And my boyfriend's, like, because he stuck out his teeth. And my boyfriend's, like, oh, shouldn't you stick out your teeth? I'm, like, no, that's the opposite of what you do. <laughs> you do that, you're just insinuating a fight between both yep. of you. So, um, eventually, we just sat down on the boardwalk, and they came to us. So, they're wild. They've never been trained or anything. Oh, but that's awesome. he, they came to us, and he thought that my, like, hair was a vine so he was like That's climbing so cute. on me. i saw the pictures of that it's adorable yeah he was very very cute and yeah but he was really fun and everything he took my hand and Aww. yeah it was really cute nice yes so angela what do you have for us oh so okay what oh that's the airplane because i'm really close to the airport and my window's open so because it's nice <laughs> of course that would happen of course it would fly over us right now right when we're recording Okay, you can pass now. Wow, he's taking forever. Yep, that, that, that'll happen. Okay, there it is. Okay, there we go. Alright, so today for you guys, I have the story of a little boy called Adam. And it's, he was about four to seven years old. They actually don't know his exact age. And it's an unidentified child that they found in the River Thames about... 2001 
actually on September 21st, 2001. And the only thing that they found was his torso. Oh, that's so fucked up. There were no legs, no arms, no head. That kind just, of gets me. Ugh. Just mm-hmm. the torso while he was wearing orange shorts. Why That's imp- it's important. It's important orange for shorts. Late orange shorts. Okay, I'll try to remember that. So <clears throat> he was a black boy. He's the coroner proved that Adam was from southwest of Nigeria. Like you can tell that from his stomach contents and what he ate and the minerals that are in his body. And he proved that Adam, that which the police named him Adam, because they still don't, to this day, don't know his real name. Wait, so he was like, what do what they call it? Not a Jane Doe, but a Joe Doe, something jo- like that. Something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. yeah. But they, he found out by blood analysis and whatever else they're doing that he was, the little boy was poisoned. Then his throat was slit to drain all the blood out of his body. What the hell? And after that, his head, arms, and legs were cut off. Oh my god. We're not sure in which order that happened. So. Not that I really want to know what order that happened. No. But they weren't just removed, they were expertly removed. So somebody knew exactly what they were doing before they tossed him in that river. Wait, how do you expertly cut up a piece of your body? Well, I mean, it might be, I mean, a doctor. Surgeons. Yeah. Like, you had to have some sort of medical training to be able to cut up a body like that. And further testing proved that the little boy had only been in the UK. It's a case from the, from England, in case I don't think I've mentioned that. Well, River Thames, yeah. 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 I've mentioned parts of it. But he's only been in the UK for a couple of days before he was murdered. And. They thought he was trafficked to the UK. Not sex trafficked, but human trafficking. And the fact that he was from southwestern Nigeria, more like, more (coughs) closely, was near Benin City. Okay. Which is, interestingly enough, the birthplace of voodoo. Oh. So So. it was like his death was like, you think, ritualistic? Yes, that's... I'm getting gonna get to that. Oh, okay. And the evidence led investigators to the conclusion that Adam, which, like I said, we still don't know if that's his real name, must have been victim to a witch doctor. Getting to that part, oh some sort God. of medical training. And he uses used the child's body parts to make medicinal portion potions called muti or muti, which is apparently he thinks that young child's body parts have some sort of magical unicorn power yeah i guess something in that direction and the police took to the public for help because they had absolutely no leads because they only had the little boy's torso and a pair of orange shorts and they didn't get much because just before that 10 days 9-11 happened what the 2001 that was the bigger thing. It was broadcast at worldwide. Yeah, that took more that priority. That was more important than a little boy's torso being found in a river, just floating along. And in 2002, so almost a year la- later, 
Uh, Nelson Mandela made a public announcement in Africa that was translated into multiple tribal languages, including the language that was spoken in that region of southwestern Nigeria. And that way the case got a lot more attention, especially in Africa. So they had some leads, but none of them led anywhere near what happened to the little boy. And then in 2003, the Muti or Mutai, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Experts, because apparently there's experts on that, <laughs> suggested that the orange shorts meant that Adam was related to one of his killers. Oh, that's so messed up. Because in Mutai rituals, the red is the color of resurrection. So at least one of the assumed multiple killers, because they think it wasn't just one person that could do that. Right. Um, had to be related to him because he was trying to apologize to the little boy's soul and hoping he would get resurrected. See, when I told you that orange was going to come in important, that's the point. So they think they one of the killers had to be related to him because he had that almost sorrow. Yeah. About killing a family member. Okay, but how do you say, oh, I'm sorry, I killed you? That makes no you sense to don't, me. don't, but it's like this, the assumed color of resurrection. Right, So right. it's like, I'm sorry I killed you, but I hope you get another chance at life. Yeah, but what, what's the chance? <laughs> I mean, that's fucked up. I know. I have no idea how you could do that. Especially to somebody, like, in your family. I know, and a little kid. Like, he was just a little boy. Four to seven years old. A little baby. And the fact that nobody's come up and, like, said, oh, that was my kid. Yeah, I know. That's really Well, scary. if it's the parents, who knows? Oh, that is true. I didn't think about that. But, even though nothing has been actually solved to, to, to this day, which is 17 years later, guys, nothing has been solved... Um, there have been developments, no, none of them leading anywhere, but there was a woman that came forward saying she knew the boy, she was taking care of him living in Germany, Wow. which doesn't make any sense, because no, obviously they said he was from this region in southwestern Nigeria, right. but she said she knew the boy, she gave them a name, and she gave them information, which somehow added up to what they found but a couple weeks later the woman came forward again and telling a totally different story and then they had her evaluated turns out she is not mentally stable she gave them a wrong name she gave them a lot of wrong information what the hell Wait, so, but how did she get invested in this case? Maybe she knew someone that was looked like him or that had, like, that was close to her or, like, somehow had a relation mm. to a little four- to seven-year-old, like, boy that she thought could have been the one found. Huh. Or she had some sort of traumatic experience with it. That's weird. I don't know. That's such a weird case. And, like... I know, and the fact that it's still not solved is what's, like, blowing my mind. Yeah, with this day and age and, like, looking at the 
you know little boy and everything and you know the pictures and what's available yeah and like you're probably right that maybe since you say it probably was somebody close mm-hmm. to him it could have might as well as messed up as it is it maybe was mm-hmm. one of his parents or yeah. you know or maybe his Aunt parents uncle. died and they got killed you never know exactly yeah. what happens and but there's just so messed up yeah there have been related cases to this one mm-hmm. which i actually didn't take any notes and i probably should have um Let's see, where is it? Um, a Nigerian woman arrived in the UK from Germany, claiming to have fled from this remote village in southwestern Nigeria. And she fled from a cult that practiced these ritual murders. But she claimed that they attempted to kill her son and that she knew Adam was murdered in London by his parents so it's like what weird there's so much conspiracy with the death i know however when the police searched her flat they found orange shorts the same brand the same color in uh as the ones that they found on adam that's so weird so she was deported back to nigeria in 2002 oh my god so it's like and another plane. Yeah, that seems to be happening a lot. They're coming yep. back in. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> the license plates are changing, guys. Here the license Florida, plates are changing. <laughs> oh my god. And one question. Do, yeah. like, Are there any conspiracies with like the fact that it was like around 9-11 and that the killing was a little bit ritualistic? Because you know that there's a lot of conspiracy theories with 9-11 being a cult. Yeah. You know, and everything. Um, From what I read into it, I read quite a bit about it. There was nothing that they said was related to 9-11 at that point. But then again, who knows what's going to come out within the next couple of years. You never know. Right, yeah. But yeah, that was how a little boy got killed and they still didn't find out how it happened. That's so sad. It's been... Actually, just over 17 years now. Oh, that poor boy. Kind of makes me sad when children like that, or like teens yeah. get killed like that. And you just think about, you know, what if they were going to do something great? Like, and they never got the opportunity. They were the ones that could have cured cancer. Like They totally have that cure already. Oh, they do. <laughs> but they're too greedy. So I'm hoping on somebody from Africa that's going to solve this. And exactly. just going to disperse it into the world. Exactly. All right, I have to go to the bathroom, so let's put... Okay, I'm back. We're back. And, yeah, you're going to want to sit down for I'm this tangling one. my headphones here. <laughs> They're a little tangled. Oh, right, yeah, this this story has me a little bit messed up. I remember reading about it a couple of years okay. ago because that's what I used to like to do when I was bored, and that's why I said, hey, let me start a podcast and talk about things like this. <laughs> that's the way to go, though. Total weirdo. <laughs> okay. So, this is called the Janko Furuta case, also known as the Concrete Encased High School Girl Murder Case. Jesus. Yes. And <laughs> I decided to get an idiom for the story, a Japanese, just to be fitting for it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Beautiful Person, Thin Life. That's what the idiom is. And okay. I got it from Mat- um, matadornetwork.com. And it's a Japanese idiom that basically means a beautiful woman is destined to die young. 
which is a little bit dark. It's really dark, right? That is so dark. But that's it, like darker than dark, right? But it also probably, you know, most likely means beauty fades, which makes more sense. We know that. <laughs> we know that. So, um, I also wanted to point out that I mean no disrespect to the family of the story or the victim's family. And this is simply out there to state the facts about the case, learn about psychology of killers, and in this specific case, I believe there should have been more harder sentences. Of, so is, um, it, is it a solved case? It is solved. Oh, good. Yeah, it was actually really quickly solved, oh. in a way. Okay. It, kind of. I'll, you'll see why I say kind of. But the perpetrators should have definitely had harder sentences. Mm, and, they always need harder sentences. Yeah, but this is just beyond. I don't know how people can do what they did here. And the information obtained for this particular case, I was completely ex- like difficult to find. But when I found it, it was like an overload of information. That's mm-hmm. why it took so long right <laughs> yeah. now because I really did take long. And um, so I got some from a blog po- a blog post and others. I try not to use as much Wikipedia. I try to like look for some like yeah. other places. Um, so I also obtained it from JapanInsides.com, which is a news source. Okay. And since it was, like, in the 80s, it was really hard to look for any news at all in it. So they have, like, a That's like a memorial celebration or something. Mm-hmm. So, fair warning, this does contain mutilation, rape, genital mutilation, and underage rape. Wow. Yeah. That is one messed up story, guys. Yes. So here's a little bit of background, because I decided to give you background on everybody. Of Janko Furuta, which is the victim. She was born on January 18th in 1971 in Misato, Japan. She attended, uh, I, full warning, I do not know Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> she attended um, Yashio Minami High School and was popular and beautiful, which made some classmates jealous. She never drank, smoked, or did drugs and was good in school. And she also got caught the unwanted attention, attention of Hiroshi Miyano. Which, by the way, they changed his name to Hiroshi Yokiyama. I just wanted to put it out there because... Okay, why did they change the name? I'll get to that. Okay. All right. Okay. So, background on Hiroshi Miyano. He was a leader of four perpetrators, born on April of 1970 as the first son. I know. Let the plane pass. Yeah, let's just... Why are they... What are they doing? I don't know, but this is what I get for living close to an airport, okay? (laughs) I didn't choose this. Your parents did. They did. <laughs> to be fair, the airport was, was closed or not as many Working. flights as it is It now. could be worse. You like, can live by, like, the They expanded Myers. it. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was about to chew ice, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm recording, so Wait. I can't do that. It would be a little loud. Yeah, it'd be asthma. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so he also came from a well-off family had a dysfunctional family due to fights between his parents. He showed early signs of a... Yeah. And he <laughs> showed... Well, at least you don't do what he did. True. He showed early signs of aggressive behavior since primary school. Yay. As he would only bully... He would bully, steal, and steal from others as well as vandalize things. Oh, wow. Well... He, yeah. That's how they all start, right? <laughs> true. He was violent with a family to which his father turned to the, his school for advice. And at this point, he was in middle school. And then he didn't cause as much trouble because he started practicing judo. And for those of you who don't know what judo is, it's an un- unarmed combat art that trains mind and body, but they don't use any weapons. Yeah, sure. Send a kid that's violent already 
to learn judo <laughs> to learn more well not violence because it, it's yeah you train it's you're very supposed respectful to, like let out the energy yeah. i guess yeah but you're also like really respectful of your opponent and everything you know you're not really wanting to hurt them but if you're already like have violent tendencies like i don't know i mean i guess psychologists can like discuss that i don't know any psychologist, let us know. Is it a good idea? <laughs> Probably not, but just let us know. Maybe it's a good way to, like, de-stress yourself. I don't know. And he ended up leaving that school on a good note, his first school. Then he left to another school that was known for his its mastery in judo. But his seniors, like his colleagues in judo, mm -hmm. bullied him because of because of this. And half a year later, he left judo, the judo club. And a year later, he left school entirely. So did he drop out? Or yeah, did he? well, oh, he, yeah. he dropped out. Then he started working as a tiler, like people who put tilers, tiles on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The and... But, no, I just thought of Carly <laughs> Tyler, the guy who makes some ties. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so. So, he's, okay. Okay. Because of this, he committed, okay, so he started working as a Tyler, but he decided that he also wanted to be in a motorcycle gang at this time. Oh, God. Okay, so because of this, he committed crimes such as theft, breaking and entering, and causing bodily injury, which then eventually led him to be on probation due to getting caught. Well, if you do that, <clears throat> at least don't get caught. Like, Come on. <laughs> You're better than this. Right. And after a year, he appeared to have changed his ways and decided to leave the gang, seemed to have been in a better state of mind, and he worked harder as a Tyler to please his boss and started dating and moved in with a girl who was the elder sister of Yasushi Wantanabe, which is one of the other guys in this story. And um, he fell in love with her so much he wanted to marry her and worked even harder and started to save money for her. Like, for them. <clears throat> in May of 1988, his father got him his first car on, and on August he became disgusted to how little he was getting paid, so he stopped going to work. So then, one of these days... wrong move to do. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, Lord. Then he met up with an old classmate, and he was a Yakuza member. Now, Yakuza is a Japanese organized oh. crime syndicate, which is, like, the mafia. It's like Fun fact, like, yes. also found in Hawaii. What? Just an FYI. Really? Also found in Hawaii. See, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I did. Wait, how do you know this? <laughs> I watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. No, for one, it's featured on Hawaii Five O. I know oh, you've okay. never watched it, no. but I put research in, it and I'm like, "Damn, this is actually found in Hawaii as well." Why don't that be like the mafia equivalent, like Italy, and they have connections and stuff like that? They do. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they have money. Yeah. Oh, they have so much money, guys. Yeah, they do. Well, this is just so beyond. So while ping, being part of the Yakuza, he sold fake branded goods, became a Takaya, which is literally just another word for a con artist who sold crappy goods. Oh, of course. And looked after the Yakuza's office. At this point, he started getting high with paint thinners. So here is a background on the next guy. <laughs> There's four of them. Okay, so his name is jo was Joe Gamisaku. It's still Joe. It just, his last name changed. So he was born on May 1971. 
His parents separated when he was very young, and he ended up living with his sister and mother for most, most of his life, and he was only with his father when he was 10 years old, like, twice, and that was it. Okay. So the dad wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, well, I guess, I don't know. Maybe he didn't want anything to do with the dad. <sighs> wow. That, yeah. And the snowbirds are coming. Yeah, they are. They're literally flying in. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. And then, okay, so he was an athlete and showed no troubles, troubling signs until he went on a ski trip in 1986 where he fractured his right foot. And because of this fracture, he became sluggish with everything, including school, and eventually got expelled in the year of 1987. He eventually went back to night school while he worked as an electrician, but he lost interest in, interest in school and decided to drop out entirely. So in, in July 1988, he was driving a motorcycle without a license, and he got caught eventually and got put on probation. So, you know, you're starting to see patterns where they're kind of, like, relating to each other. Damn probation, Jesus. They, they get into a lot of probation, yeah. So then we've got Minato Nobuharu. Okay, so... Nobuharu, Nobu yeah. Okay. So he was born in December 1972, and both his parents worked in a hospital. His father was a pharmacist, and his mother was a nurse. He had an elder so brother. So pretty well off. The most like some of them were pretty well off, but if you notice, like in their psychology and their background, their parents weren't actually ever there. Okay, yeah. So he was born in December 1972. Like I said, he had an older brother who was like born on January 1972, so they're like almost like almost that year apart. Mm -hmm. And then he, when he was in elementary school, he started being a troublemaker as he shoplift, started shoplifting as well as becoming violent with others. Then once he got into middle school, he got worse with his dangerous behavior and he became rebellious with his father. On March of 1988, he started high school on April, on April and his behavior got even worse at this point. He wouldn't show up to class, wouldn't come home at night and was always with bad company. Eventually, he dropped out of high school of September on that year. Since summer of 1988, Minato, Minato and his brother, his older brother, okay, so his brother and his and him have a room, okay? Okay. And that became the hangout spot for the gang, okay? The gang. The gang. <laughs> <laughs> and it became perfect because since his parents weren't ever there, they worked at a mm -hmm. hospital, they were never there. Yeah. And also, they didn't try to interfere because, well, then again, they, the parents were scared of him. That's you got to be wow. pretty fucked up if you're, yeah. Yeah, you know. your parents are scared of you. Ouch. Yeah. He also was placed on probation for driving a motorcycle with no, no license. That's the second one that's driving a motorcycle, right? <laughs> so, man, y'all don't ever drive a motorcycle without a license. Not in Japan. Apparently, it makes you a serial killer. Yeah, not in Japan. <laughs> So here is the last one. His background background on um, Watanabe Yasushi. Yasushi. So, yeah. So Sorry. He, I, I know. I, ha I had. To, I, I also did the same. So I'm not proud of it. Born on December of 1971, his parents separated when he was just four years old, and he got a formal. They got a formal divorce when he was just six. Right after that, his father died in a traffic accident. He also was raised by his mother and older sister. So he's, they've got some similarities between all of them. Mm -hmm. And on April of 1986, he enrolled to night school, but also stopped attending only a week later and completely withdrew from schools of September of 1986. So did they all go to school together? Is that how they know each well, other? Well, yeah. That's exactly how they know it. So 
Okay, so on October of 1986, he was on probation for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And on June 1987, he was on file for minor minor criminal offenses. And as much as he tried working, he never lasted in a job. And all four of the boys obviously went to... Actually, they went to the same middle school. And Miyano was the oldest, then Kamisaku, and then Yasushi, and finally Nobuharu. So, here's a little bit of the formation of the group. Yasushi's home had two rooms in their home, which were his and his brother, like I said. Mm -hmm. And since, again, his parents were never home, this became the frequent hangout since 1988. Okay. So in October of 1988, Yasushi's brother's motorcycle was stolen, and that's when Miyano, the oldest one, and the leader, mm-hmm. came over to help look help look for for it. And this is when the violent gang of teenagers was formed. Yikes! <clears throat> so Miyano was actually feared by an entire group because of, because of his ties to the yakuza, and when oh, Miyano yeah, they're pretty powerful. Yeah, and when Miyano wasn't there. Kamisaku was the only one, the, the one in charge of the group. Okay, so this is how the crime started. On November 25th of 1988, Miyano and Nobah- Nobahuru were on their motorcycles running, riding around Misato Sayatama Prefecture with the sole purpose, hear this, it's just amazing, of robbing belongings and raping young women. Oh, wow. That is messed up. Yeah. To say it nicely? Yes. At 8.30 p.m., they both spotted Junko on her bike to this Miano order that Nobuharu kicked that woman. Yeah. And, And, of course, by that woman, he meant Junko Furuta. And Nobuharu obliged. And... Junko fell to her side. That's when Miyano approached Junko and tried to, you know, be nice and friendly to her and said, he's crazy. I have also been threatened by him with a knife some time ago. And he's like, you may still be in danger. Let me walk you home. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, Furuta said yes to this. Oh, ladies. Yeah. If a man ever tells you he's gonna... Somebody kicked his ass and he wants to help you home, don't do it. Just run. Run. Just call a friend or go to a public place and don't go home don't lead a man home no especially not a stranger just go to your nearest police station yep or public pub pub public place yeah he loses you so you can go home exactly so during this somehow miano gained junko's trust and lured her into a warehouse which i'm sorry but if a guy is telling me and i mean no offense to junko for this but uh, like just as a woman now, you just, if a guy's telling you that, you run. Like, you just, the you 80s, scream. I the, scream. The 80s were a different time. Yeah. Man. And, he's, okay, so he dropped his act, raped her, and told her, we are actually friends, like him and the other guy that dropped her, and we both belong to the Yakuza. If you obey my orders, I will spare your life. Let me have sex with you, and if you scream, you die. So he then proceeded to take her to a hotel where he raped her again. From the hotel, Miyano called Nobaharu's house and rejoiced to Kam- uh, Kamisaku that he succeeded in raping Junko. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So Kamisaku told Miyano to keep the girl around 12.30 a.m. on November 26th, 
Miyano along with Junko met up with Kamisaku, Nobaharu, and Yasushi at a park. I cannot <clears throat> imagine the pain that girl must have went through. Oh my god, girl. It just gets so more, like, fucked up. Oh god. Okay, so after a talk between Miyano and Kamisaku, they decided to make her a prisoner. And they told her that, she, that they knew where she lived because she had her student notebook. Apparently, every student in this area of Japan is expected to carry it while they, they have their uniform on. And on the, she had her address. And they told her that if she didn't go, they'd kill her entire family. So she then was taken to Kamisaku's home where she was repeatedly gang raped. And Damn. yeah. And on the 27th of November, Junko's family was worried about her not coming home, so they called the police. The gang then forced So wait, how long did that take them? It, no, it was literally like the 26th to 27th. So oh, no, two days. Two days. Guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, my parents start like calling me up if it's 10 p.m. and they know I'm not sleeping over anywhere. They're like, right? what, where, where are you? Because I always tell them. Unless I tell them where I am. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah, well, no, my parents always ask, always tell me, like, I guess it's just the Latin thing where they're like, where are you going? Even if you're 21, even if you're 30, they still laugh. Well, thank God for that. So, okay, so then on the 27th of November, Junko's family was worried about her not coming home, so they called the police. The gang then forced Junko to call her home three times between the end of November and the middle of December, and she was told to tell her parents that she had run away and was safe with some friends and that she wanted the police to stop looking for her. Just to throw off the cops. You don't do that. Even, even if, if I have a child and that child will tell me that, I'm like, I ain't gonna stop looking for you. No, no. you, you I don't find you. Oh, yeah. Plus, you know, you're still a young girl. I'm not going to tell you what, you know, you're not telling me what to do for exactly. you. Exactly. So, at the beginning of December, Junko was able to get on the phone with the police, but Miano found out what she did and before she could even speak. He then hung up the call for her, and the police phoned back, but he told them the call was a mistake, and to this, she got a really bad beating. Okay, so here comes the torture, and again, if you are, you know, gorish, or if you, you know, this is also a trigger warning for rape and everything. Trigger warning, yeah, guys. just please stop listening right now. Skip this part. <laughs> yeah, just skip it. Okay, so here's the torture. She was kept naked most of the time to be to just humiliate her. She was raped every single day, and mind you, she was there for forty-four days. She was raped vaginally and anally, and it is believed that more than a hundred men raped her. Wow. Miyano invited the Yakuza members to rape her, and it is reported she got raped an estimated 500 times. Okay. I know it's like a tragedy, but I actually think it's better that she died rather than oh, but have girl, lived it through took, that. It, but it took forever. It took oh, forever yeah. for her to die. And at one point, she was raped by 12 men in just one day. Jesus Christ. She endured beatings with golf clubs and face bashings on the cold hard cement floor. The men that raped her had urinated on her, and to turn her rapist on, they forced her to masturbate in front of them. She had many objects forced into her, vaginally and anally, including a bottle, an iron bar, roasting needle, scissors, and grilled chicken skewers. She was provided little food or water and was forced to eat roaches and drink her own urine. She oh had God. fireworks 
Okay, where is it? Okay. She had fireworks forced up into her anal cavity, and then they lit it up on fire so it can crack. Yeah. How do you survive that? I don't even know. Like, half of these things I was just reading, I was like, how did she even make it to so to 44 days? Yeah. Because it was every day. Like, every day they were doing this. Okay. So, also, she had her nipples ripped with pliers dumbbells dropped on her stomach while she laid on the floor with her hands and feet tied she ended up losing control over her bowels and bladder and it is said that at one point she was crawling since she couldn't even walk anymore she was kept in a freezer for several hours her eyelids burnt were burned with lighters and hot wax her breast pierced with sewing needles her vagina and clitoris burnt with uh, lighters and cigarettes Oh my god. She, uh, this is, this one like got me. She had a lit hot bulb inserted into her vagina and then rubbed it until it exploded inside of her. Yeah, that's so, that's like brutal. What? So, it is said that during about one fourth of the ordeal of the torture, she couldn't even breathe through her nose due to cavities being full of blood. Oh my lord. And if she tried to eat or drink, she'd puke since her internal organs weren't accepting it. And for soiling the carpet, she got even more beatings. Oh my god. They also set her feet on fire, and it is said that 20 days into her situation, she couldn't even obviously hold anything due to her hands being smashed with weights. Fucking hell. So, on the 44th day, she begged her captors to just kill her and get it over with. But they didn't want that. So finally, on January 4th of 1989, she challenged them to a game, which she won. And that made the boys mad. So they beat her with an iron barbell, set her legs on fire. And since she endured all that torture for so long, she went into shock. And she ended up finally just dying after 44 days of torture. Wow. So... They discussed about how to get rid of the body, and they asked if either they should bury her, mince her, or burn her inside an oil drum. Did they do all three? No, the murders just then just decided to stuff her corpse into a 55-gallon drum with concrete and left it at Kod- uh, Kodo, Tokyo. So the police found, found it, and... Mm-hmm. Basically, what happened was an officer was interrogating them, and it was a trick question that he had said, and Miano said, oh, I'm sorry that we killed her. Like, he wasn't even meant to fall for it, but he fell for it. So he basically snitched all of them out. And then they found their remains, and, you know, they got tried as adolescents, which baffles me to this day. I just, I don't understand. And they got a lot of backlash. They got a lot of backlash as to why would you do that? These people need to be put in prison and never come out. Well, yeah. I mean, we have people that are smoking weed and they're like there for life in prison. Damn. And the so, 80s, man. The 80s. I know. And here, it kind of pisses me off also that their identities were kept a secret. <laughs> so be, they changed their identities because they were tried as adolescents. Wow. And the records were probably wiped as soon as well, they turned yeah. 18 yeah. or 21. But a good old good old guy called uh, Shukan Bunshan, a reporter, he was able to dig up their new names and he believed, as he believed they did not deserve to be covered up, which well, absolutely no, they didn't. Not, no. And especially they're, they, they're dangerous, I'm sorry and you have to know who you're dealing with. People need to know who the fuck 
these people are so they can stay away. Exactly. If you're going to put them out in society, at least do not cover up who they are. Exactly. Show their pictures. Plaster their pictures well, their on pa- buildings. Their pictures are out <coughs> to the public. Actually, you can even look up all that. And I'm pretty sure that somewhere there are pictures. If anybody wants to see, they can just easily Google what happened to Junko, and it's just tragic. So all murderers are now free. Three of them only served only eight years, and Miyano was sentenced originally to 17 years, but after trying to appeal, um, the judge bumped him up to 20. The same judge increased sentences also, and they tried to appeal as well, as they also tried to appeal. Sorry. So, hey, at least he upped the sentence. Yeah. That was the only one that had some sort of sense in there. Seriously. So, Joe Kamisaku was released in 1999, and then he went back to prison for beating up a guy in, uh, beating a guy up in July of 2004, and he was there for seven more years. Okay. How, how, if they're already on probation, how on earth did they get tried at adolescence. I don't even know. It's just like it blows my mind for, okay, you got in probation, you have this, all this criminal history, you get out after brutally murdering, murdering somebody and go in, beat somebody up, and then you only get seven years. Shouldn't you just be sentenced to life at that point? See, the funny thing is, not in every country, life is actually life. Really? In a lot of, Germany, for example, it's only 25, only, not saying not lightly, 25 years. Really? Mm-hmm. My God. You know, and I thought Germans would be like, put it, you know, to be hard on people and stuff like that. No. No. I guess maybe it's just America, a mass prison system. Because <laughs> we do have a pretty tough prison system. Well, Actually, funny, we have- funnily enough, pris- like the prisons where I used to live. You used to live in prison? No. <laughs> 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 the prison's in the town I used to live in. Is that better? Yeah, that's better because I was like, uh, Angela, we gotta talk about this. Um, they were actually quite leisure. Like, they had, they were painted. They were basically like, like rooms. They were in cells. They were rooms. Yeah, because over with here. TVs and internet and everything. Dep- well, depending on what you did, but like drug offenses. They had a TV. They had a nice bed. They had. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, see, over here, I heard that prisons are so, so, so bad that the drug lords in Mexico would rather kill themselves before coming to a prison over here. Yikes. Yeah. So, where was I? Okay, so... Okay, so thanks to forensic examiners, two other guys were linked to her rapes and torture. Their names are Koishi Ihara and Tetsuo Nakamura. So, you know, some of, I guess, because a lot of semen remains from her, like, um, pubic hair, they found that they were also linked to her rape. Well, out of, like, 500 men, that's just, you know. And only, what, six? Six. Yeah. So, poor girl. Here's something else. When Furuta's mother heard the news, she fainted and had to go get psychiatric help, which, oh my god, me too. (laughs) Like, I would have had to, too. I mean, oh my god. So, also, listen to this. This just pissed me off. Like, oh, well, no wonder your kid turned out that bad. Kamikasu's mother vandalized um, Furuta's grave because, quote quote unquote, she ruined her son's life. Oh. Yeah. 
I'm 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 actually speechless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I she de- yeah because she definitely like, made your son do what he did. Mm-hmm. That is just it's it's unbelievable, right? Damn. So the house where she was tortured was demolished. Thank God. And once, uh, once it was said that Furuta had a meal with Nobaharu's Noba parents and his mom told her to leave, which then his mother hit, like, he hit his mother. And after that, the parents did not even intervene. And it was said that a lot of people, not just the people raping her and torturing mm-hmm. her, knew about what was going on. It was, like, a lot of people, even, like, the parents and everything, but nobody wanted to question because the boys, all of them, were so violent and they were scared and everything. Oh, it doesn't fucking matter. If you know something like this is going on, go to the fucking police. Absolutely. I mean, isn't it kind of better? Okay, so if you know your son is capable of so many things and you think that he'll do it to you, maybe it's better to just lock him up. But then again, out of all the things that they did to this poor girl and they didn't get harsher sentences. And... Oh, man, there's a special place in hell for these guys. Oh, my God, I know. Wait, are they still alive? Yeah. They're, like, 40s or something. There's a special place in hell for these guys. Well, you know, it kind of reminded me of that one case. I think it's Sylvia Likens. Like, something, something like this happened. And it was just worse. And strangely enough, like, every single person involved with the torture of this poor girl actually got cancer. Which, and then it kind of reminded me of this one other podcasts named Mysterious Universe, how they said that, you know, the cancers are basically some type of form of, like, a spirit or something that forms in you because of something that you did. It's really weird. It's mm-hmm. a theory and everything, but it's like, okay, and that's when I was like, Sylvia Likens and, you know, and all her, you know, children got cancer. Like, they got it. I'm yeah. not saying that everybody who has cancer got it. No, 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 but I'm just saying that It'd be it's good. A yeah, it's 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 good to know. Like, it would be awesome to know where these guys are at and what's happened to them. Because I want to find them. <laughs> I think everybody does. <laughs> and um, Miano's mother, which was the main perpetrator, gave gave her parents a large sum sum of money for the for like the damages her son caused caused, and you know that was because she sold the house and like, she moved away and everything. Apparently, her parents also sued, sued uh, like a bunch of the, you know, I think the law system or something, and it was a big ordeal. It was just, it was such a fucked up, like, damn. I thought my case was bad. Yeah, I told you this case was bad. Damn. Yeah, it was. It's it's terrible. It kind of makes me think, like, oh my god, girls, like, take care of yourselves. Don't be careful. Just yeah. just don't trust any, any guy don't, randomly. Yeah. You know. Don't, you know. And I know, like, I've been seeing a lot of that, especially here in Florida. If you have something on your rear view, uh, in your back windshield. Yeah, oh my god. Don't take it off. Don't try to take it off. Drive to a public place. Take it off. And then drive away. Yes. Make sure you're not being followed because that's how they get you. Yeah, they track you. If they know where you live, they're going to come and get you. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much, like, I mean, obviously it's not, this story, unfortunately, you know, it ended it so unfortunate. I, like, feel for this girl to this day. I mean, a lot of people were, like, really sad and everything. But if you think about it, it's better that she 
died. But it and... but it took so long, and she begged for death. I mean, how how in pain do you have to be to like beg for death? I know. You know, everybody wants to live, but at that point that you and everybody's scared of death. That's a big concept. A lot of people are scared of death. Yeah. But for you to beg for it, you've got to be in a lot of pain. Oh yeah. And I don't blame her. I mean, what they not did just was, physical, but no mentally, mentally, especially after all this she endured. Like, how do you? If she would have survived, how do you come out of that? You don't. Like, you don't. Have if you survive bad, it, bad PTSD. If you survive it, you're you're not gonna do anything. Yeah, it's just it, it was it was really sad. I you're gonna lock yourself in a room and never come out. No, yeah. I mean, it's just terrible. I feel so 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 much like for that girl. I really really do. Like I said before, that you know maybe she would have been somebody so great, and she was never given the opportunity to do yeah. what she was supposed she to was do what, how old was she 16 she 17? was 16 yeah it was so sad but yeah no like the whole human trafficking thing here it's starting to get very serious guys we're here in naples in florida it's one of the centers in florida of sex trafficking and human trafficking yeah because it's like smack in the middle between tampa and miami yeah like people get grabbed real quick and then you never see them again. Well, strangely enough, I remember like a year ago, I, w- I was get I got out of the gym and I went obviously to a Publix because we live in Florida and we have one like every block. And <laughs> <laughs> they pop Publix out more than Walgreens. McDonald's. Publix and Walgreens, yeah. guys. And um, I went inside to go get something. And it was season, so my car, I had to leave it all the way in the back, but it was getting pitch black. So, you know, I had just gotten out of the gym. I was wearing gym shorts or whatever. Not that that matters. What you wear should not even fucking matter if you tempt it. Because you're not tempting any guys. Okay. No, that's not a really good argument. So, I get out and then I'm walking towards my car. But I actually, like, you know how you feel something? Uh When somebody's watching you. Well, I felt some, like, somebody was following me. I felt it. And, like, I started walking even quicker. I got my keys. And, you know, I I always think, I got it. I always look at what I can use as a weapon. Mm-hmm. My keys, I'm like, I can, like, gouge your eye out. <laughs> you know, you can. Yeah, that's 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 a good way. Keys between your yeah, fingers. Yeah, exactly. So I grabbed my keys, and I, like, was starting to open my car. So once I got to my car, I looked back to what it was. There was a guy in this fucking van in a van oh god and he was walking super slow and he's like oh my dog i was like i was like this is just such a thing to do he's like oh my dog wanted to see you no i was like oh my god and no but like the whole thing was that there was a dog next to him which was because the dog popped out I'm like, but I highly doubt your dog wanted me to see you. Did your dog tell you, oh, I want to see that girl? I highly doubt that. You were walking really slow mm-hmm. like a fucking creeper. And I was like, nope. Got in my car, turned it on, and I'm like, I'm leaving. Yeah, follow your instincts, guys. Yeah, like, no, no. Oh, my God. It is just so, it's messed up. It's usually, they're not wrong, usually. No. Like, if you think somebody's following you, somebody is probably following you. So we decided to start giving you like happier notes at the end of this yeah. because like it just it just gets so frustrating dark, and, like, dark and, and everything. So happy news around the world. <laughs> like, let me go ahead and look for it. So there's this thing called the Good News Network. Oh, that's adorable. That's yes. where I'm gonna go get my news. Now. <laughs> right. I feel like I, I feel like if you just go on there, you can just forget about everything. Okay, well, you know, if it decides to go ahead and load up, 
<laughs> Fairly slow it today. <laughs> what? Yeah, what is it about your Wi-Fi today? Listen, if I knew, I would change it. Did you get on it? Well, I have... It's called Sunny Skies. Yeah, well, you know what? Oh my god, there's a guy going around breaking into people's routers and patching them so they can't be abused by other hackers. Oh! <laughs> He's he. like, you deserve something. <laughs> See, that's the type of person you want to break in. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Maybe we should look for something in the USA because I just feel like USA is like in so much drama usually. Okay. Okay, so if it's... Oh my... Okay, you'll, you'll appreciate this one too. Okay, so there's a little boy that... He has cancer. And uh, he's a super big Iron Man fan. Oh. And he put out a request, like, I would like to get, like, a message of him, you know, on social like, media, how they like do that. Like, Make-A-Wish? No, he, he wasn't part of Make-A-Wish, but his mom put something in action, like, um, on social media, like hey, he would like to, like, meet you or get a message from you. So the word spread, and eventually Robert Downey Jr. responded with a sp to the request with a personalized video message for the Aww. little boy. I'm not going to say any name because that just doesn't seem fair. No. But he says, Jackson, is that you? Hi, it's Robert Downey Jr., but you can call me Tony. Thinking about you, stay strong, know that my prayers are with you, and also, you know, life is challenging, and you are just the man for the job, so lots of love. That's so cute. Okay, that's a really happy message for the end of the video, okay? <laughs> yeah, just this this entire, yeah, it, was, it got dark. It got really it dark. It got real dark. Yeah. And there's also a 107-year-old man who is the world's oldest barber, and he's still cutting hair full time. I just want to know what his secret is. If I cut my hair bald, do I, like, get to live that long? I don't know. Well, he, the, the guy still has hair here. You can see. He's still got hair. My gosh. That guy. He is my hero. Man, did you guys see the, um, old woman? She's, like, 110 or something. And she's, like, the secret to a long life. Avoid men. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe. You, you you got a point. You do. I mean. <laughs> I mean, no drama, damn yeah, you know? Yeah. To get to take care of yourself most of the time. Okay. I see where she's going. Yeah. <laughs> right, you got any happy news, too? No, because it won't load. <laughs> okay. You know what? I will leave that. Just, yeah. We'll just leave you with a nice message from Robert Downey Jr. Yes. And the secret to a long life. That was my phone. <laughs> Yes, and a secret to a long life. So you guys, again, take care. Have a good one, and, and well, I guess we'll see you next week yes. with Urban. Wait, no, nope. that's the wrong one. Paranormal theories and conspiracy theories. So it's gonna be very it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting. All right, guys, not as dark. We promise. <laughs> Definitely not as dark. <laughs> no, that was too We're dark. We're not always going to be this dark. No, today was bad. <laughs> oh, that was really bad. We need to find happy our case. <laughs> yeah, we need to watch a little. I'm going to watch a little bit of The Office before I sleep today. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Bye. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.